It's the Ringer Gambling Show presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here and you can bet on all of the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explorer page in the post and bet live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gambling. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen at the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 and up in President Select States. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com slash RG. This episode is brought to you by UGG. Y'all know UGG is a brand that athletes wear all the time in the tunnel and on travel days. Well, I bet you think UGG season is only during the colder months of the year. Oh, contraire. You're wrong. You need to check out the latest spring drop from UGG. They have everything from sandals to clogs. I like the sandals. UGG has you covered for your next spring adventure. Shop the golden collection at UGG.com. to a Thursday edition of East Coast Bias right here for your friends on FanDuel TV, of course, on the Ringer Gambling feed. We welcome in Raheem Palmer, Joe House, John Jastrzemski as we break down the ins and outs of week 14 in the NFL. We have the semifinal set in the NBA in-season playing tournament where I think there is a clear choice of the networks and maybe of the league commissioner as far as a specific matchup that they want on Saturday night and one they most likely would like to avoid on Saturday night. So we'll have you covered there every which way. Fellas, welcome in. Let's start here. Monday night, we had the Jaguars and the Bengals. The Jaguars were positioned house on Monday to go and win that game, to kind of set themselves up to be a number one seed contender And what they got was the double whammy. They got the double whammy because they lose to Jake Browning and they lose the game in overtime, but they also now lose Trevor Lawrence. Now, it's not season ending. We're talking about a high ankle sprain. It looked a lot worse when we were watching the game live, but I don't expect them to play this week against Cleveland. Maybe he's out a week. Maybe he's out a month, but that now compromises things for Jacksonville in a big way. So I'll start here. Is Jacksonville, in your opinion, still a safe bet to win a division? Or are we looking at Jacksonville as a team that, forget about seeding, forget about saying goodbye to one or two, they could find themselves in that wild card mix? Or if we're really going to get drastic, can the Jaguars miss the playoffs? Where do you stand on the Jags after this Lawrence injury? Yeah, I think that there's still enough of a cushion for them to hold on to the division. And I think they have tiebreakers in the right places where it comes to Houston and Indianapolis. Uh, and both Houston and Indianapolis have a, a, enough uh, you know, tough spots remaining on their schedules that the Jaguars, I, it feels like 10 wins for the Jags should get them there. And I think their schedule still has 10 wins, but it was not going to start with this week. It's not going to start up in stormy Cleveland with C.J. Beathard. I mean, this is one where they might just go ahead to have to take the L and get everybody home in one piece on a short week uh, away from the the the, the lakeside, uh, you know, bad weather, and then just hit the reset button after this upcoming week. Well, I think the committee might just vote this team out of the division picture. I mean, fortunately, they're not playing college football. But when you look at their schedule for the next two weeks, they're on the road against the Cleveland Browns. And we know the Cleveland Browns defense is for real at home. And this is a bad weather game. And you have a backup quarterback. And then they have to play the Ravens. So that's two losses right there. And when you look at the rest of the division, the Indianapolis Colts are rising. The Houston Texans are rising. So this is not a gimme that the Jacksonville Jaguars are even going to win this division right now. And I think now might be the time to take a flyer on another team. Okay, I'm glad you mentioned that, Raheem. If we're going to take a flyer on either Houston 
or Indianapolis to win the division. Uh, I'm going to say it's Houston because of C.J. Stroud, because of what D'Amico Ryans has been able to do. Now, I don't want to disrespect Shane Steichen. I think he's a legit coach of the year contender. The fact that they're doing this with Gardner Minshew is super impressive. At the same time, though, Indianapolis has won some real quirky games. They did against Tennessee on Sunday with the block punt, the missed extra point. They won an ugly game against New England back in Germany. I just have more confidence that Houston is more legitimate. Is that fair or am I uh, maybe just getting suckered in and fooled by the C.J. Stroud phenomenon? I think you are correct. And the betting market reflects that as well. When you're looking at FanDuel Sportsbook right now, the Houston Texans are plus 330 to win a division. The Indianapolis Colts are plus 470. And interestingly enough, when you look at their schedule, we could be headed for a potential one-game playoff to win the division in week 18, depending on what happens with Trevor Lawrence. So I, I agree with you. I'm not going to put anything on either one of those bets right now, but I do think you need to be looking towards Houston. And, and it's so funny, House. It's not funny. I, you probably use poor words, but it's more ironic or poetic justice or whatever you want to call it, whatever adjective you want to use. The NFL now more than ever with this 18-game season it has become the Hunger Games. I mean, let's be honest. You know, we're talking about these top teams and these top contenders where you say, wow, you have Baltimore and Miami and Kansas City and in the NFC, you have San Fran and Philly and Dallas. And I think we're aware and we know who the top teams may be, but it really boils down to, in many ways, keeping your team as healthy as possible. And that's something that maybe is really difficult to handicap here over the next four to five games going into the postseason. But I almost feel as if the teams that are the healthiest going into January, they're going to have the best chance to go and win. I know that sounds simple. I know thanks, Captain Obvious. But I think that's something we really got to be mindful of to watch who gets decimated by injuries and who can, dare I say, keep their team together. Well, we're going to see one of the headline matchups of this weekend is the Buffalo Bills going to Kansas City and the Bills having experienced their raft of injuries on uh, the defensive side of the ball that really like took the wind out of the sails of their entire season. They're fighting for their playoff life. And now the Chiefs have some injury uh, issues that they're confronting, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And to your point, you know, this, this war of attrition, I, to me, the most important thing going forward I'll be looking for teams that, you know, as, as we uh, uh, kind of prospect out 2024, I want to know what teams have the best backup quarterbacks because that's definitely going to be part of my my handicap going forward. From what we've seen in the way that all of these teams lose their premier quarterback, what teams have the ability to put somebody into the mix that keeps them afloat uh, a la uh, uh, Cooper Rush last year with Dallas, right? Just hold the fort for a few weeks while the other uh, aspects of your team, you know, produce some, some W's. The, the Jets are the best example of this. The Jets lost their season in the first series of their off first offensive series of, 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 of the first game of their entire season. They haven't been able to bounce back from that. And that's because of poor planning. Uh, at the quarterback position. So that'll be something I'm looking forward to going forward. But right, part of our handicap over these last five weeks and as we try and do stuff with these divisions and so forth are, is going to be who's healthy at the moment, who's healthier at the moment. You know, one thing I got to throw in here, fellas, as you're trying to make sense of who's playing and who's not, how we can kind of forecast how certain things are going to shake out. Raheem, this to me, is shaping up to be one of the more bizarre MVP conversations we've had in the league in a long time. And I think we know what the narrative is, right? When in doubt, the MVP goes to a quarterback. That's just been the case over the last decade plus. I've even said if you bet on a non-quarterback to go and win the award, even if it sounds great in theory and it makes sense, it's probably not going to end up coming a cash a ticket, coming to fruition, however you see it. Is this a year, though, Raheem, where we might be talking about Tyreek Hill and McCaffrey? Because your guy, Dakota Prescott, has got a great chance to win it. I can't believe – I love Brock Purdy, 
But I can't believe we're living in a world where Brock Purdy is like the odds-on favorite to be the NFL MVP. Like, that is just mind-blowing to me in thinking about this. I mean, Tyreek's a monster. He's going for 2,000 yards. McCaffrey's having a record-setting year. They might be the number one seed. I actually think it could happen, Raheem. Am I crazy? I think you are crazy. And I don't think you should be crazy, but it seems that Adrian Peterson in 2012 is going to be the last non-quarterback to win this award. It's unfortunate because it feels like voters have basically decided that quarterback is the most valuable position and we're no longer going to vote for the person who had the the best season. Now, if you ask me, Tyreek Hill is having the best season. He's on pace for 2,098 yards. That's absolutely ridiculous. But if you ask me right now, Who's going to win this award? It's going to be Brock Purdy. You look at his ranks through week 13. First in completion rate. First in yards per attempt. First in passer rating. First in QBR. First in adjusted EPA for play. First in success rate. First in DVOA. Fourth in touchdowns. And seventh in passing yards. And he's absolutely dominating. A lot of people are going to say Brock Purdy. He's benefiting from yards after the catch. Well, if you look at his EPA per play on non-screens, he's first. If you look at his EPA on screens, he's also first. So this guy is absolutely dominating, and he's doing things with that San Francisco 49ers offense that Jimmy Garoppolo couldn't do or anybody else. So I think you have to give him some credit, and I think plus 300 is a bargain. Hoss, can you believe we're living in a world where Brock Purdy might win the MVP? I mean, I just find that so flabbergasting. He's been great. Raheem's point is spot on. Uh, They were brilliant Sunday against the Philadelphia Eagles. But I just feel like people are going to look at that team and they're going to say, wow, McCaffrey's there. Debo's there. Ayuk is there. Kittle is there. They have the best or one of the best lines that they're working with. They got Shanahan calling the plays. I feel like there's opportunity for somebody to go take the award from them. I really do. Well, so that that's part of the challenge, right? Because who would it be? Would it be Jalen Hurts, potentially, if Philly can somehow managed to hold on and only lose one more game through the end of the season. He's having a down season by comparison to last season. He was better last season in um, most of the metrics that you would use. Always the default is Patrick Mahomes, but how do you get there with Mahomes this season? The, the, the Chiefs, maybe they win out. Maybe they finish the season 13-4 and four and get the one seed, but his numbers compared to the rest of his career are going to look, you know, scant by by comparison. So, I mean, I think Purdy, the 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 Niners, to my way of thinking, you know, knocking on wood for continued health and, and everything sort of holds steady, the Niners are going to get the one seed, uh, I think, and Purdy's going to be the quarterback. And at the end of the day, you have to have the guy who is making the decisions and then executing. And... You have to be special to be able to do that. I mean, for sure, with all those weapons, he's helped, but he still has the ball in his hands first. And so getting it from his hands into the hands of the playmakers where they can make the plays, that still counts for something under this system where it's a quarterback award, basically, JJ. Well, and that's something that's got to be changed. To Raheem's point, I mean, Tyree Kill and Christian McCaffrey having record-setting years, this should be a year where yeah, one of those it, guys is considered for the MVP. It's, it's, it's unacceptable sorry. to me because at some point, if you're not going to give it to somebody who has 2,000 yards receiving, then you just need to change the name of the award. And it seems like right now that the winner of the MVP is the best quarterback and the offensive player of the year goes to, every, goes to any other position. And just change the name of the award because, to me, Tyreek Hill is having one of the best wide receiver seasons I've ever seen. And there's no quarterback, regardless of how they're playing. I, I love Dak Prescott. I love Brock Purdy. But they're not having a season like Tyreek Hill. Amen to that. We got a lot more to do. It is a loaded week 14 card in the NFL, a monster game for the Buffalo Bills at Arrowhead, a monster Sunday night game with, to me, a rather telling line. We're going to run through all the bets. We're going to have all the games of note. We will have thoughts on the NBA in-season semifinals, certain matchup the league is dreaming of. That's for sure on Saturday night. All that more. It's coming your way right after this. Cash in on balling out this NBA season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets 
with any winning $5 money line bet. That's 150 bucks if your team wins. I like the Milwaukee Bucks laying a four and a half in the NBA in-season playing tournament. And I actually think there's value in taking the New Orleans Pelicans. Can't believe I'm saying it. Fade LeBron, first ever in-season tournament. Yeah, I am. Roll with it. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to join. The app is easy to use, and there's a wide range of ways to bet, including quick bets, live same-game parlays, the Parlay Hub, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash gamblers and turn dimes into dollars this season. FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NBA. First online real money wager only. $5 pregame money line wager required. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. All right, guys, so these two games we could start off with as far as breaking down the Week 14 card. I'm going to go with the 425 game because I think there's just more on the line from a standpoint of postseason. The Buffalo Bills need to win one of their next two games, and you could make the argument they need this one even more than Dallas next week because of conference record and tiebreakers and everything that comes with it. So, Raheem, we talked about this on Monday. The line opened at three, immediately moved off at three to two and a half. Now you're seeing some one and a halves in the market. And I know Kansas City is not 100% right. We know what the numbers are for Patrick Mahomes when he's a small favorite. But I kind of look at this game and I say, if not now, then when for the Buffalo Bills? And my feeling on this spot is that Buffalo is going to find their way to win this game. And that's why we've talked about those playoff odds at three-something. You like them on Sunday, get on it now. They, they got a crazy Super Bowl number. You like it, get in on it now. I think Buffalo is beating Kansas City on Sunday. I totally agree with you. And I don't necessarily like the one-and-a-half spread. I think you're getting the worst of it. But I would tease this up to key numbers of three and seven. You look at the Kansas City Chiefs. They come into this game really banged up. Nick Bolton, he was out the last game. They lose Drew Tranquil. So that's a big loss. And then you also look at they lost starting safety Brian Cook to a significant ankle injury against the Green Bay Packers. And I look at this Bills offense. To me, they have the better offense. So I would be looking towards the Bills here. I really like them on a teaser. I don't know if I'm going to take the one and a half because we know Mahomes track record as a short favorite. But I just think this is a must win spot for the Bills. And I think they get it done. Yeah, I feel the same way as Dream. This looks like a, a great teaser leg to me. It's the my my preferred way of playing it at uh, the one and a half number. Tease the Bills up to seven and a half. Um, the, the the Chiefs coming off back to back losses uh, just doesn't happen. They're eighteen and three off a loss since Patrick Mahomes became a starter. Um, but look, the Bills coming in off of rest. So you know what 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 do you want to do? Uh, the 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 money line price for the Chiefs is is reasonable, but I don't like those injuries on defense. And defense has been the thing that's kept them afloat all season. The only way that I'm in, 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 inclined to play this is with the the Bills as a teaser leg. Um, I ask you this: I keep throwing this number out there, plus three twenty to make the playoffs. House, you're gonna have another opportunity to lock it in. You seem to like. Buffalo, at least to keep it close. Is that 320 enough? Uh, ju- is the juice worth the squeeze for you, bud? It is for me. Maybe a tiny amount. The thing that concerns me is that the Bills are on the wrong side of a bunch of, of tiebreakers. Um, I, the, if they have to, as you sort of set it up, win one of these next two games, uh, the Chiefs and then home against Dallas, if they are able to pull off one of those two, then they have to sweep the rest of of the games on their on their uh, card, which is Chargers, Patriots, and then at the Dolphins. And that at the Dolphins might be wrapped up uh, from the Dolphins' perspective, so that might not be as heavy a tilt for the Bills, but maybe a tiny bit on, on, on that big number, because obviously if they win this week, it goes way down. 320 is not enough for me. And the reason why I'm saying that is because this almost feels like a, 
a 3-14 parlay. So they have to win this week against the Chiefs. We know this is a must-win game. They're an underdog here. You're, you're pretty much getting you know close to even money. But you could take that and, and roll that over in the games against the Chargers, Patriots, and Dolphins and probably do better. So I, I don't like this one. All right, Raheem's staying away from it. All right, House, we have another marquee game. It's on Sunday night. It involves Raheem's favorite team and the team he's been going after the last couple weeks. That would be the Eagles and the Cowboys on Sunday night. Dallas is a three and a half point favorite in the game. And I don't know if you feel this way, House. I think this line is rather telling. Philadelphia, all of their dominance, Philadelphia and, you know, their ability to pull out close games, you know, bounce back spot, yet they're grabbing three and a half on the road. I almost feel as if this line house is baiting you to go and grab those points with the Eagles and, you know, say, ah, fade the Cowboys, Cowboys against the big team. They're not going to get it done. The way I see it, Dallas should have beat Philadelphia the first time around. I think they're playing better right now. I think Dak Prescott is playing better than Jalen Hurts. I'm on Dallas. I'm rolling with the Cowboys. I'm fading the Eagles again now for the third consecutive week. Give me Dallas laying those points. Am I crazy? I, I don't think you're crazy. I just don't li- like l- laying the hook. Like if it was Dallas minus two and a half, I-, I would join you with that. I don't know that I want to buy the full point to get it down under the three. But to your observation, it's another tough spot for the Eagles. They were in a really bad spot last Sunday, health and rest-wise against the 49ers. And this is another bad spot. They've been in, in all of these knockdown dragout games, the Chiefs, the Bills, the 49ers, the Dallas game five weeks ago, and the Cowboys are rested. They've, they've had these blowout wins. Dak looks comfortable. And when you look at this matchup, with the Cowboys at home against Philly, they're able to put up points. The last four games with the Cowboys uh, at home with with uh, Dakota at quarterback, 40 points, 41 points, 37 points, 29 points. Dallas in general is scoring at home. Crazy. Over the last six home games this season, averaging 41 points. So the way that I'm going to prefer to play this is the Dallas team total over 27 and a half on FanDuel. It's only minus 106. Now they did only score 23 points at Philadelphia in the week nine loss, but they had the ball on the five yard line at the end of the game with, you know, uh, what should have been a a, a much more uh, spirited effort at getting the ball across the goal line rather than moving backwards. So I like this Dallas team total over. We've seen the Philadelphia, uh, defense in the center of it give up all of this action in the slot i think cd lamb and my guy ferguson are gonna cook right there in the middle of the field and i think it's just another bad spot for the eagles so i like the the cowboys team total here uh dream i think that's a great play and i i kind of wish i thought of it myself because i i like you i'm scared of laying the three and a half with the cowboys based on how awful they look defensively against Geno Smith. Geno Smith hadn't done anything in about four or five weeks, and he played probably one of his best games of the season. So I don't really want to lay it with the Cowboys, but this is an awful spot for the Eagles. I think that Eagles defense is just, it's just abysmal right now. You're looking at a team who's 21st in DVOA, 24th against the pass. We know Dak Prescott is going to be able to put up some points, but historically, Dak Prescott has just always won these games against divisional opponents at home. He's 5-1 and one straight up at home against the Eagles. You know what they say about the NFL. If you just pick the winner, more often than not, they'll cover the spread. So I'd be looking towards the Cowboys, but I don't see any true value on the spread. All right. You mentioned Geno Smith. Geno Smith played well, almost won that game in Dallas. They have extra time to prepare. But the problem is they're playing a division rival and a team that has owned them over the last two years in the San Francisco 49ers. And You know, Raheem, you look at the spot, it would scream, hey, Seattle's going to be feisty. Seattle's going to be competitive. They're fighting for their playoff lives. I just am at a point, though, where I can't legitimately make a case for fading the San Francisco 49ers. Now, I'm not betting and laying 10.5 points in this spot. This is one of those games I kind of looked at and said, nah, stay away. If anything, maybe I'll look for a teaser leg. Maybe I'll look to try to get involved that way. Um... I get the spot angle from a Seattle perspective. 
How do you feed the Niners with the way they look at this point in time? Can't do it. Well, it seems like people, the Sharps came in on the Seattle Seahawks here. This line opened 12 and a half. And from, from a numbers perspective, I understand it, but I can't get there as well. When you look at what Brock Purdy has done against the Seattle Seahawks team, 3-0, regular season and playoffs, average margin of victory, almost 15 points a game, passer rating of 111, 758 yards, six touchdowns, one interception. So he's dominated this Seahawks team. And you look at the Seahawks, they've allowed opponents to score on 43% of their possessions over the last seven games, which is the highest rate of the league. You saw Dak Prescott carve this team up. And you look at this 49ers team, Outside of that three-game stretch where Brock Purdy had the concussion, Debo Samuels was hurt, and Christian McCaffrey was hurt. Those were games against the Cleveland Browns, the Minnesota Vikings, the Cincinnati Bengals, where they scored 17 points a game. They've gone over their team total in every single game. They scored 31 points or more in every single one of those games. So while I don't want to lay the, the 10 and a half, I think you could safely go over 49ers team total 28 and a half because... I know scoring is down in the NFL, but right now the 49ers and the Cowboys, they continue to score. So I like House's team total earlier. I'm going to go with the 49ers team total in this one. Yeah, I, I like that way of sizing this up. The only other way I would consider playing it is San Francisco on the money line in some kind of money line parlay situation where you're just adding them in to, to, to you know, marginally improve the play out. But, you know, San Francisco at home is unstoppable. 16 and four against the spread in their last 20. 15 of those 20 games, they've won by at least 13 points. This season, when they win football games, seven of their nine wins have come by 18 or more points. So I don't want to mess with this number because I do think that Seattle, after the spirited effort in Dallas, and with a tiny bit of extra rest, will come out and put up another spirited effort but getting on top of the San Francisco offensive juggernaut, the way it's running and cooking, yeah, let's do that. Let's play on San Francisco team total over 28 and a half. I like it, boys. Now, I'm combining these two games together because they have a common theme and a common thread. It's about backup quarterbacks and legitimate stakes as far as the postseason is concerned. That would mean Jacksonville, who probably will not have Trevor Lawrence, short week, going in to take on, I think, Flacco. Looks like it's going to be Flacco with the way he played last week. I would run him out there again. Cleveland, this line has moved quite a bit because of the uncertainty with Lawrence. Then the other game you have that I would lump into this category, because it's basically the same script. It's Gardner Minshew in the Colts going and taking on Cincinnati and Browning, who actually looked rather impressive and rather comfortable against that Jacksonville defense. You know, boys, I liked Cincinnati on Monday, but my reasoning could not have been more off-based. I thought Cincinnati would keep in the game, make it ugly, it'd be on defense. Little did I know Jake Browning would say, hey, I got you, dude. I'm going to take care of you. You're going to go and cover a number. So how's out of those two, Indy Cincy, Jacksonville, Cleveland, if you had to make a play on one of those two games, which one do you like more, and what would the play be? I prefer Cleveland. And the way that I'm going to play this 100% is the Jacksonville Jaguars team total under, I think it's 12 and a half. It's 13 and a half or 12 and a half. Uh, I, I, I can pull it up. But this is a horrendous spot for the Jaguars with no uh, uh, Trevor Lawrence. And there's no point for them to have Trevor Lawrence. The, the weather forecast in Cleveland, 60% chance of rain and winds between 20 and 30 miles an hour. And you put that condition on top of what this Cleveland Browns defense has been at home. They allow uh, 10.5 points uh, per game, 10.2 points per game, pardon me, at home. For whatever reason, they are uh, just a different defense altogether at home. I, I dare say ferocious. I don't know who the quarterback of Cleveland is going to be, but I, I don't think it matters. I can't come up with a way for the Jaguars. It's 13 and a half at minus 110. I can't get the Jaguars to 14 points with C.J. Beathard uh, 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 on the week, the shorter uh, rest week that they have in this weather condition. So I'm on the Browns. 
You know, it's a shame that this number has moved so much. This this total was 37 and a half. And now you're looking at a, a, a 30, which is just like a ridiculous 30. number. My goodness. My goodness. <laughs> yeah, I, I just I don't know how you play a total that low. So I just think we're at a point where it, it's tough for me to play this game just because like the value was there with the under. And you're looking at two backup quarterbacks. Everybody stepped in due to the weather news that house already broke down. So I like the under, but now there's no value. Now, when it comes to the side, I agree with house. This Cleveland Browns team has given up 10 points a game. CJ Beathard, he hasn't proven that he could do anything. And we know he's not going to score against this Browns defense on the road. So I would lean towards the Browns, but I haven't played anything. Yeah. I think Cleveland, different team when they're at home, different defense when they're at home. I think it's a really good spot to take them and just no feel, honestly, for what you're going to get out of Cincinnati and Indianapolis continues to be a team that's resilient and finds ways to win. So I'm staying away from Bengals and Colts, at least for the time being. Uh, final game I wanted to get to, guys, in week 14. Raheem, we talked about Ravens and Rams on Monday. There were seven and a halfs in the market. Now, as we sit here on Thursday morning, going to be very hard to find yourself a seven and a half in the market. I like the Rams. I, I, you know, my feelings on this. I bet them to make playoffs. They've won their last three games. They got Stafford back. They got Puka Nakua back. You throw him in with Cooper cup. I think they're going to be live in Baltimore. I really do. I think this is a tight game. I think McVay is going to coach his off. I'm in on the Rams here. Even with this line, not being with seven in the hook. I think this has field goal game written all over it, dude. I really do. So Lamar Jackson is very similar to Patrick Mahomes in that they do tend to cover spreads of three or less. But when you ask them to cover a six, a seven, a nine, an eight, a 10, they tend to struggle in that regard. And the way Matthew Stafford and Puka Nakua are playing right now, I do think they can keep up. So you have a low total, 40 and a half with a spread of seven. I think that's asking a lot. So I'm going to stay away from it, but I probably would lean towards the Rams. But I do think this is this is probably a good teaser leg because the Ravens, they're playing for something. Obviously, they had to buy last week, to rest it. I think it's a, it's a good spot to put this in a, in a six-point teaser and you'll have good a positive expectation long-term. Yeah, that's exactly the way that I have this sized up. There's no scenario under which you're going to get me laying seven the seven and a half was preposterous. I'm not going to lay the seven either with this Baltimore team. Now they are coming off the bye and they won the bye week because all they did was sit tight and let the AFC attrition occur. And they're in prime position to grab the one seed in the AFC. But this game at home against this Rams team is a must win for the purposes of going and grabbing the one seed in the situation that they are enjoying. So I like them to win the football game, but I'm not messing around because you know who messes around? Baltimore. They play with their food. I talk about it, you know, kind of every week. You can't trust these Baltimore Ravens. They they mess around against the Chargers. Uh, I like them here, though, in this spot to, to win the game. And on a teaser leg from seven down to one, I'm okay with that. All right, boys, we come back. We'll get to this slab fest of a Thursday night game. I think uh, Al Michaels may need to cover his eyes watching Bailey Zappi and Mitchell Trubisky go to battle. Uh, can anybody make the case that the Patriots could keep this within the number? You'll have to find out and see. Or here, however you want to determine that tease. We'll come right back. This episode is brought to you by Lincoln in the all-new 2024 Nautilus Hybrid, featuring a customizable 48-inch panoramic display, available Revel audio system, and available perfect position front seats with active motion massage. Oh, my God. The world isn't wide enough. Visit Lincoln.com to learn more. Some models, trims, and features may not be available or may be subject to change. Check with your local retailer for current information. Lincoln and Nautilus are trademarks of Ford, or its affiliates. All right, guys, Thursday night football. It doesn't get more gross than this. Even though the Steelers are seven and five, they're starting a backup quarterback. It'll be Trubisky, no Kenny Pickett. 
The Patriots, they are two and 10. This is going to be the worst season in the Bill Belichick era. You have to wonder if Bill Belichick is playing out the string in New England, if he's going to be coaching somewhere else in 2024. The spread on this game is six. House, the total on this game is at 30. 30 for a primetime Thursday night game. Uh, I really don't know where to proceed. I'll let you start the proceedings. How do we look at this Thursday night matchup? Well, in the first place, the line is preposterous. You, there's no world in which Mitchell Trubisky as quarterback is should be laying six points to anybody. And I don't care that the New England Patriots haven't scored, you know, 20 points uh, combined in, in three weeks. It's Mitch effing Trubisky. Every metric that you can go find for yourself tells you how bad he is. So the problem for the Steelers on this short week with very little time to prepare Mitchell Trubisky is that the default should be a heavy dose, a healthy dose of runs. Najee Harris and Jaylee Warren should be touching the ball 50 combined times. But the Patriots had the best rush defense in the entire NFL. So picking that poison is not really something that, that, that I would advocate. The Steelers team total, we keep going back to this, but this is the way I think they handicap these things. 17 and a half points for the Steelers against the best rush defense. Number one in EPA, number one in success rate. And the, the Patriots have played some, some tough opposing run offenses and, and, and put it on them. Um, I don't like the, the, the Steelers uh, in, in this position. I'm definitely not laying six points with Mitchell Trubisky. And I think this is another potential primetime under even at 30 points. The, both of these teams, the last three games, have, have produced 49 points combined. It's outrageous. Uh, under 17 and a half for the Steelers for me, fellas. So this one is uglier than a masterpiece sneaker, as I always say. But I'm taking the Patriots, plus six. First things first, you got a super low total of 30. House already broke down all the reasons why the Steelers aren't going to score any points. But when you look at Mitchell Trubisky, this guy is 46 out of 47 in pro football focus grade this year. This guy is really struggling. He's thrown an interception on 3.1% of his passes. If you compare that to Kenny Pickett, that's 1.8. But more importantly, this Patriots defense is playing lights out. House already told you they have the number one rush defense in the league. So they're not going to be able to rely on Najee Harris. They're not going to be able to rely on Warren. Patriots have only allowed 26 points in the last three games. So there's not going to be a lot of points here. You saw last week, they put up a spirited effort against the Chargers. They held the Chargers to six points. Now, I know this Patriots team, they're a league worst two and 10 against the point spread this year. But I will remind everybody, this is a market and the market is efficient. And if it's efficient at some point, the Patriots are going to have to start covering some of these games because the spread is the great equalizer. We all know that the Patriots stink. We all know that they're probably playing for the number one and the number one, number two draft pick, but that doesn't mean that they can't cover. So low total, 30 and a half, high point spread, backup quarterback. I know Bailey Zappi stinks, but as long as they don't turn the ball over, they cover this number. So I'm, I'm going to hold my nose and take it. Probably not even watch. Probably just go to bed early. Well, listen, I get the logic in grabbing the points. The, the Steelers get outgained basically in every single matchup. Now they're down to a backup quarterback. And, and you figure if there's one game New England might possibly get up for the remainder of the year, it's the idea of a primetime national environment, a great environment in Pittsburgh where they could go and have a chance to play spoiler. I don't know if they're going to win the game. They're probably not going to win the game. I, I think your logic is spot on, Raheem. It's a gross game. It's a game in which the Patriot defense is going to have to keep them in it. I guess the only hesitation I have, Dream, is last week, New England held the Chargers to six points and couldn't cover a five-and-a-half-point spread. That's <laughs> that's like the only thing I can't like wrap my head around that I'm actually going to go and put money down on New England. When I saw them last week, hold the Chargers, six points. Amazing job. You think you'd be in great shape to go and cover your bet, win your bet? Good shape. No, no, because they get shut out. They got to find a way to get to like 10 points in this game to cover the number. I guess 
Honestly, that's the number I'm looking at, Raheem. If they could get to 10, I like their chances of being able to make us some money on Thursday night. Yeah, I mean, that's the key. If they can get to 10 points, no interceptions, no fumbles. And I know Ramondre Stevens is out, but I think Zeke, Zeke Elliott has been running pretty well this, this season. I think he'll run well here against the Steelers defense. TJ Watt was a little banged up last week. Are we sure he's playing? If he's not playing, we saw how the Steelers played last year without TJ Watt. I think they were one and seven. So 10 points might win the game either direction. <laughs> I can't believe we're doing it, but we're making a case for the Pittsburgh Steelers to not cover against the New England Patriots, who are 2-10 and 10 on the year. But that's what we do here on East Coast Bias. Sometimes it requires a little forward thinking and a little outside-the-box theories. Now, when we come back, we have two NBA playing semifinals in Las Vegas. You will have New Orleans and the Lakers. You will have Milwaukee and Indiana. Just the way we drew it up a couple of weeks ago. How to break it all down. We know what the league wants. Will they get what they want come Saturday night? Find out next. This episode is brought to you by UGG. Y'all know UGG is a brand that athletes wear all the time in the tunnel and on travel days. Well, I bet you think UGG season is only during the colder months of the year. Au contraire, you're wrong. You need to check out the latest spring drop from UGG. They have everything from sandals to clogs. I like the sandals. UGG has you covered for your next spring adventure. Shop the Golden Collection at UGG.com. All right, guys, we have our semifinal for the NBA in-season tournament. Uh, the Knicks will not be hanging a banner at Madison Square Garden. Uh, defense was optional for them against the Milwaukee Bucks. I think the Bucks just hit uh, another wide-open three-point shot. I mean, that ended up being the theme in watching that game. And then you had the Lakers survive against the Phoenix Suns. So, Indiana-Milwaukee, New Orleans, and the Lakers. Those are the two matchups. Uh, we'll start with the Eastern Conference. House, I was drooling watching Halliburton the other day. That was so much fun. He dominated Boston. We saw some of the issues Boston has in the postseason come to the uh, forefront, and they did not have Kristaps Porzingis, which obviously hurt them. I don't think there's any question. But Milwaukee is a scoring machine, right? Like, they don't play defense. Indiana doesn't play defense. I think it's fair to say we're going to have a good old-fashioned shootout in Sin City kicking off this in-season semifinal because, I mean, what, first 140, 150 wins this one, bad boy? JJ, the total is 254 and a half. I can't wait to hear what Dream's model suggests is the proper number for it. I'm playing the over because I love this kind of basketball. I love this brand of basketball. I love the coming out party for Tyrese Halberd. How about this? His first ever appearance on TNT. How could that be? Well, it could be because the Pacers have been very mid. And Tyrese, the coming out party, the launch pad was what we've been talking about as the season kind of came upon us, that world basketball competition, that FIBA competition. It really did put him in that upper echelon. And, I mean, the four-point play was his stamp on the game and it stamped out the Celtics. And look, this is, you know, it's very, very, very fun. I do think that maybe their luck runs out here. Um, but I mean, you know, all the, all, I don't want to uh, bet against them. I'll just play the over, sit back and enjoy the track meet, fellas. Yeah, so this total is at 254 and a half. My model like using this year's numbers, I know it's laughable and I don't even like to say it when it's this far off, but it has it 265. Oh now, my goodness. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that's reasonable. With the way those two teams have defended, it, it is reasonable. Right. I can't fight house on that. It's the, it is reasonable. But here's the funny thing. So right after the game last night, after the Milwaukee Bucks hit all of those threes, third, like, what were they, 23 of 38, 60% from three last night? They opened the line on this game, and this total was 249 and a half. And within three minutes, and I mean three minutes, this line got bet up to 254 and a half, where it currently sits. I don't think it's going to go too much higher. 
Maybe it'll go to 256, 257, but I would play the over just because I just don't think any of these teams are going to slow down. You look at this Indiana Pacers team, they're first in offensive rating. The Bucs are fourth in offensive rating. And it's just it's just a, a track meet. And neither one of these teams play defense at all. They're all they're both in the bottom 10 and defensive rating. So I think you have to play the over. But I'm going to be honest with you. I want to hold my nose and take the Indiana Pacers. Wow. Do you really? I do. You I really? Do. You got two divisional opponents. If you ask me, they have the better coach and Rick Carlisle. Well, I'm the more experienced coach and a championship coach. There's no getting around that, 100%. I'm not a fan of Adrian Griffin. The Knicks didn't really put them to the test. And the funny thing about that game, if you were watching that game, the Bucs were making every three, but it was a nine-point game in the fourth quarter. It was was within striking distance despite how hot the the Bucs were. So I would take the Pacers plus five. I would hold my nose. I think they're better than the Knicks offensively. So that's what, that's where I would go with it. Uh, I'll go the other way on this one. I, I just think Milwaukee, now that they've found their way to Vegas, they have enough pedigree on that team. Uh, I think the pedigree ends up playing out. Uh, it's a tough game to handicap. I don't have a great feel for it. I do think Milwaukee will be there. Now, Raheem, the other game, New Orleans and the Lakers, line opened at two. It's moved down a little bit. I think New Orleans is live in this game, dude. I know it sounds crazy. I know the league's going to do everything in their power for LeBron and the Lakers to win and to be there. We all understand that. But am I crazy to think New Orleans is live? Because I do. All right. Um, this, one, this one's interesting for me just because there's another element here. And I don't know if you guys are going to price this in to how you're thinking about it. But the Lakers are playing in Vegas. And that is just a, a short two, three, four-hour drive away from Los Angeles. And we know a lot of people from Southern California are already live in Las Vegas. We know a lot of people from Southern California are going to make the drive over to Vegas for the play-in tournament. So I'm pricing the Lakers as having some kind of home court advantage here. Like I have to give them a two, three point bump just because this feels, this is probably gonna be a home game. You guys watch summer league. You guys see how many people are hyped about the Lakers in summer league. So I think this line is kind of short. The Lakers actually won three or four against the Pelicans last year. And I, I know the Pelicans are playing some great defense right now, but this feels like the LeBron Invitational. This is the first year of the in-season tournament. We know that they're the A-side. We saw the game last night. I don't want to put on my conspiracy hat, but we saw them get a timeout when they didn't have the ball. So I don't want to bet against the Lakers in this spot. So I will be looking at the Lakers in the under. I think this is probably a, a lower scoring game, but that's how I would approach it. So I'm going to play a slightly different variation on what Dream just laid out there, because I do agree with him about the home court advantage, but I have respect for this Pelicans team. I'm mad at myself for not getting on a Pelicans future as this tournament came uh, upon us. Because the Pelicans, let me remind you, were the best team in the West through Christmas last year. They had the best record in the West. And they have a lot of different ways of of beating you. They have a defensive identity. They have several guys that can score the ball. If you get Brandon, Brandon Ingram in a focused frame of mind, like he was uh, uh, this week against the Kings, well. I like that version of Brandon Ingram. And Zion is the great wild card, except, you know, we have him. He's here. He's playing in these games. So the way that I'm going to play that particular matchup is I'm going to bet LeBron to win the MVP of this tournament at plus 430, and I'm going to play the Pelicans' money line. That's the way that I'm going to play this game because I do think that this Pelicans' defense is something – that will be a shock to the system for the Lakers a little bit. I think this Pelicans defense loves the idea of going and being physical with the Lakers. The Lakers, you know, that's not part of their thing. So that that's the way I'm going to play this one. All right, boys, we'll come back, wrap it up. Best bets right after this. This episode is brought to you by NetSuite by Oracle. As your business grows, you might start seeing some lag. There's too much work for your team, too many different processes, and it takes forever to close the books. 
If this sounds like you, you should know these three numbers, 37,000, 25, and one. 37,000 is the number of businesses that have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. It's a cloud financial system that can help streamline accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25, that's how many years NetSuite has been helping businesses do more with less. And one, because your one-of-a-kind business deserves a customized solution for your KPIs. It's like when you come here for this podcast or when you check out your favorite website to gather all the info you need to make better decisions for your fantasy leagues. Well, NetSuite does that for your business and then some. It's one efficient system, one source of truth with everything you need to grow. Right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash ringer. That is netsuite.com slash ringer. Before we say goodbye, best bets, week 14. I'm going to start the proceedings. Keep it short and sweet. The anti-New York, New York tease. I'm going to take the Texans, get them down to two and a half. I'm going to go take the Green Bay Packers. I think the clock strikes midnight on Tommy DeVito. Give me Green Bay, two and a half. Houston, two and a half. Thumbs down, New York, New York. That's your play of the week for week 14. House, what do we got? We're in teaser land. We're all going to be doing teasers here. There's a nice slate of, of, of teasers. I already mentioned my affinity for the Buffalo Bills. All they do is play in one-score games. They historically have played the Chiefs very tough. Let's tease Buffalo down. And then I have to choose between the Ravens, the Broncos, the Bengals. I like uh, Tampa Bay. You can get. I like the Broncos. I think the Broncos are better positioned to make the playoffs than the Chargers. And I'm teasing them from two and a half up to eight and a half at the Los Angeles Chargers. That is not going to be a home game for the Chargers. Denver's fans will be there. That's my teaser. Broncos, Bills. I'm going to go with the Bears. I gave this one out on Monday. I still like it. Bears plus three and a half. You're taking on a Lions defense, which is really, really struggling right now. Like, they should have lost to this team two weeks ago. Now you got to put Jared Goff on the roll. There's some injuries to that Lions team. So let's take the Bears plus three and a half. They might even win this outright. That's going to do it for this Thursday edition of East Coast Bias. Good job by our buddy Mike Wargon for Dream. House, JJ, signing off. We'll see you next week. And check out Ringer Wise Guys Sunday, 11 a.m. Eastern, Vandal TV. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Vandal is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 100 Gambler or visit fanduel.com slash RG. Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777, or visit ccpg.org slash chat in within Indiana, 1-800-522-4700, or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana, visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland, Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit GamblingHelplineMA.org or call 1-800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client.